today on It's Time. God is bigger than the things that you've done wrong. Always, always remember that. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of 2 John. So, turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 2 John. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, back by the book of Revelation. We're going to be looking at 2nd John today. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, and God, that you would open your word to us, that we would better understand you, and then we would better understand us. And so we ask you now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to come in this place, illuminate us, encourage us, and cause us to remember the great love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look, we've been going through the uh, first, second, third John as we go uh, expositorily through the Bible. And so today is going to be interesting as we look at this because there's a lot of conjecture, a lot of different ideas about what we're reading today. And so let's look at that together. The elder starts off verse one. And by the way, second John's only one chapter long. Yet this chapter is so packed with so many things. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Wow. This is a real dynamic statement. Now, the question is, who is the elect lady and her children. Now, there's a lot of different ideas here. First, it's been held by many. Jerome, an early church father, um, said that, well, this is the church. The, the lady's the church. But there's some problems with that idea. And the reason why is if we go to, let's go to the last chapter, the last verse of the chapter. This is what it says. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. What's wrong with that? Well, the sister of the church. The church doesn't have a sister. The church is the church. Number two, to the elect lady. And her children. This is speaking again. This is speaking of the church as as an example. And believe it or not, saints, I've taught this before. But you know, upon really studying the scripture, I've come to a different conclusion. And so I want you to look at this. And now, if you want to retain the idea that the elect lady is a church, praise God, that's great. I don't view that as bad or wrong. This is just a lot of, I've read a lot of commentaries on this, and they all basically say the same thing. We don't know who it is. Really? This was written 
to the average reader of the day and nobody knows who it is? Well, I like to, you know, if you ever watch the old, you know, sitcoms, Columbo, you know, and he'd go around and he'd talk like this and he'd always ask these questions as an investigative uh, uh, detective. Well, I think there's a lot of stuff here in this particular chapter that will give us some ideas and why it's written this way. First of all, when we look at this, it says, to the elect lady. We have to remember this was written about 90 AD. Persecution of the church was well in uh, vogue right now. The persecution coming against the believers was everywhere. Partially and mostly spawned by the Jewish believers, or excuse me, the Jewish uh, Sanhedrin of the day. And oftentimes you'll find some of the biggest persecutors of the church are people that are cloaked in religious garb. Just works that way. I've shared this many times in Fox's Book of Martyrs. You'll see how uh, James and how Peter and the others, the early church fathers died. But you'll never read in Fox's Book of Martyrs how the Pharisees died. It's because they didn't. They're still here. And they're still out doing what they did then, and that's try to turn people away from who Jesus Christ is. So again, we have the first idea. The elder, uh, the lady, is the church. The second possibility, of course, is that it's an unknown lady that somehow John knew, but no one else knew. Uh, because it's, it's vague. We don't know. Now, let's put on our detective glasses. First of all, to the elect lady. Elect means chosen. And I pray every one of you in Christ realizes something important. If you didn't know this when you came in here, know this when you leave. You are elect as well. Elect means chosen, and I pray that you don't realize you're just a Christian, but that you're chosen for God. People have asked the question, well, how do I know if I'm chosen? If you're a Christian, you're chosen. What are you chosen for? To do whatever God's called you to do. Every one of us in this room, everyone listening, we're all chosen by God for his specific purpose. No one's ever been like you before on this earth. No one will ever be like you on this earth ever again. You are chosen. You're specific. You're unique. And all those things that have contributed to you, and I will say this, good or bad, greater is he that's in the world than uh, in us than he that's in the world. Even those bad things God will use, but those things are a composite of who you are. I can't go back and change some of the ugly things in my life. I'd like to, but I can't. But I have to realize some of those ugly things have done several things in my life. One, they leave a scar. That's why God says, don't sin. But number two, it causes me to remember a couple of things. One, the greatness of God and his forgiveness towards us. That's the first thing. The second thing, it causes me to be able to relate with people that are still lost in the world. Have you ever been around a bunch of spoiled brats? They've always gotten it their way. They can't relate to anybody else. They can't even listen to their parents' instruction. So remember that even those bad things, the Bible says all things work together to the good to those who love God, which are called 
according to his purpose. Not according to his purpose. The elect. You're chosen. And so even the bad things, God has a way to turn them around and make them for the good. Paul said this again as well. Those things which actually targeted me to hurt me have actually furthered the gospel. How does that happen? God is bigger than the things that you've done wrong. Always, always remember that. Because the devil wants you to believe that, oh, uh, you, you know, you slipped and fall, dreadful, sorry, Clementine, you're out, you're over, you're done, you better go eat some worms. That's not the way God is. God's bigger than the things that you've done wrong. Always remember that. So, to the chosen lady and her children. Now, what's wrong with believing that the lady is the church? Well, the first thing is, to the church and her children. That doesn't make any sense. Because we're not children of the church, we're children of who? God. So we have a real issue here. Second of all, this lady, whoever this lady is, has a sister. And the children of your elect sister, the last verse, verse 13, greet you, amen. Now, again, if it's the church... Uh, the church doesn't have sisters. The church is the church. Could it be? Now this is, Chuck Missler, several others hold this view as I do. Could this be Mary, Jesus's mother he's writing to? Mary would be probably around 95 almost 100 years old at this point. And it is possible that they could have lived, she could have lived that long. The persecution of the church was very heavy at that time. And John may have written this a little code, if you will, because if he would have said Mary, everybody known that was the mother of Jesus, and that would have made her a target of more persecution as they would have came and arrested her and Jesus's brothers and sisters. Now, people have said, well, I thought the Catholic Church teaches the perpetual virginity of Mary. The Catholic Church is wrong. I'm sorry. Even your Catholic Bible will correct this. As an example, if you go to Matthew, let's look at this. Let's let's just go to Matthew 13.55. See, I want you to be able to defend your faith when you are challenged. I may not always be around here. You may not always be around here, but you have to know how to defend your faith. I've shared this many times. I remember when I was 18 years old. I accept the Lord when I was five years old, but I remember going to church, hearing many, many sermons over and over again. My mom read us the Bible every day. And I remember some people, very nicely dressed, knocked on the door. I opened the door and they began to share with me out of other books. And I know what they were saying was wrong, but I didn't know how to defend myself. It was one of the most frustrating things that I had experienced. And I said, God, I don't ever want to be like this again. I want to know how to defend my faith. And so he says here to her children. Now, did Jesus' mom have children? I think that's a good question. Catholic Church says no, but what does the Bible say? We don't really go by what churches say. We go by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, let's look at the context. Context is everything when we look at the Bible. Verse 54 of Matthew Chapter 13. Let's go to verse 54. And when he had come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. 
And they were astonished and said, where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? They were astonished at who Jesus was. Now here's the the word comes in. Is this not the carpenter's son? Now we all know who's the carpenter's son. Who's Who's the carpenter? Joseph. We all know that, okay. Is this, is his mother not called Mary? Okay, we all know that. And his brothers, James and Joses and Simon and Judas, verse 56. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get these things? Wow. So we know that Jesus had somewhere between four and five brothers and at least more than two sisters because it says his sisters. And by the way, you say, well, that was a typographical error. That's the only place it appears in the Bible. No, it's also found in Mark 6, 3 as well. It's also found many places in the Bible. In fact, Jesus is teaching one time and they said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside. And Jesus stops and says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? But those that hear the word of God and keep it. Yeah, Jesus had brothers. He had sisters. Now, it may very well be because of the persecution against Jesus and his followers, and especially the family, he may have written it this way to protect them. That's what I believe personally. If you want to believe something else, you're welcome to that. I'm not trying, because again, if you pick up a lot of commentaries, you're going to find something different on every one of them. But to try to make this make sense and have it flow with the clues that are in this, as a detective would look at something, we have to come to this. So to the elect lady, if it was Mary and her children, we just read where he had siblings as well, whom I love in the truth. Now, here's some more of it. Not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. He doesn't say, and all those that are there with you, but it's all those that love the truth. This is another clue. What woman of prominence would everybody had known who she is and all those that love the truth? This is why this is another clue that tells me that this is probably Mary, not the church. Again, remember, we are not children of the church. We are children of God. And as a matter of fact, the Bible always references the church singularly. It doesn't say the church and her children or something else. We are his bride. We're not his bride and bridettes. We're his bride, and that's important. So, he says, and all those who have known the truth. I believe that, of course, the virgin birth of Christ, extremely important. Jesus was fully God and yet fully man. That's why that's important. And that Jesus wasn't, as the Gnostics say, just came as a ghost, but he was actually incarnate, God with us, as it says in Matthew chapter 1. So he says, because of the truth which abides in us and will abide with us forever. This is why he says that you're loved by everyone because of the truth that abides in us forever. 
In fact, Jesus said, wherever the message of the gospel is preached, this is going to be preached as well of who Mary is and all that, because it's so important. Because God, Jesus was fully God, the Father, and fully man from Mary. By the way, people may ask the question, well, then where did Joseph lineage get in the Bible and why is that even in there? Why is it important? Because it gave Jesus a legal right to the throne. Mary's blood gave Jesus a blood right to the throne. So, verse 3. This is the result of that truth that abides with us. Grace, mercy, and peace. Now, let's look at that. Grace, again, is you getting from God what you don't deserve. God's good to you because he loves you. Every child at Christmas experiences grace. You give your children nice things, good presents, not a lump of coal, nice things because you love them. Not because as we want them to believe they've been good all year. We're good to them. That's grace. God blesses us in spite of ourselves. That's the first thing. The second thing, it says mercy. That's God not giving you what you deserve. Isn't that good? Again, you go to a judge and get pulled over by a cop. You don't go into the judge and say, give me what's coming to me. You want mercy. The third is peace. And by the way, when you know the grace of God, you know the mercy of God, you'll know the peace of God. Again, You will never know who you are until you know who God is. Because God is who defines you because you were chosen to be on this earth. Does God choose people that are not saved? Yes, I believe so. That there's a place in the kingdom of God for them. But because of their rebellion, they're absent from that. And they're lost and dead in their sins. I believe anybody can be chosen by God. When you accept him, God invokes his divine purpose in your life so that you can be about his business. So he says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you. Not may be with you, will be with you. I like that. From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. That's who Jesus Christ is, that he's Lord. He says, I rejoice greatly that I have found. Now, the word some here, you'll notice in your Bibles is italicized. It was added in. And the reason why it was added in is because of the next verse. That some of your children, now, uh, realizing that that, um, I believe that all of the disciples, maybe I should say all of Jesus's brothers and sisters were walking with the Lord, I would just take as a natural thing, but maybe not. And again, when we realize who wrote this book that we're reading, John, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he looks at, at Peter, he looks at John, Jesus looks at John and says, John, behold your mother, referencing, and in Hebrew culture, that was saying, you take care of my mom. I think this is unusual, and I've always thought it was unusual, that Jesus would put into John, the beloved disciple's hands, the care of his mother, rather than the brothers and sisters that Mary had. Why is that? I don't know. It appears that 
James and Jude became brothers of Jesus, the one who wrote uh, James and, and Jude, the, uh, the next book after John here, it, it appears that they didn't really believe in Christ until after the resurrection. Now, I don't know about the rest of them, but he writes this letter uh, evidently of encouragement to them. He says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. Now, again, some was added in. We'll look at this in a second. As we've received commandment of the Father. Now, again, the commandment of the Father. Jesus put us under his commandments. Oh, I didn't say the Ten Commandments. I said God's commandments, Jesus' commandments for the church. What are they? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Was Jesus referring to the Ten Commandments or was he referring to his commandments? I believe he's referring to his commandments. Now here's why. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. These were the two commandments that Jesus gave. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And then he said, and the second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. The ministry, the teachings of Jesus Christ tell us how to love God and how to love our fellow man. Whether we're talking about the man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, they fell among thieves, they robbed him and and, and stole from him, uh, tells us about how we love our fellow man. This man, a Samaritan, puts him on his own animal, takes him to the inn, says, whatever bill he runs up, I'll be passing back through here, I'll pay you, take care of him. Jesus said, that is the man that showed love. Not the religious leaders that walked by and stared at him and walked on. By the way, that's the truth about religion. It can look at it, it can identify a problem, but it doesn't do anything to help. That's what religion does. And so he says that commandment, Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said something that knocks the wheels off the wagon. He said, upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. So everything the Old Testament, all the Torah was about was loving God and loving your fellow man. Now, what was the problem with that? We couldn't do it. The Bible says it's not within man to live righteously. Well, then where does that leave us? Well, the good news is, Jesus said to Nicodemus, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. It is not in your, my nature to love, but it is in the nature of God to love. And when God borns us anew, borns his spirit inside of us, now there's a a, a propensity to love people supernaturally. I can't love. I'm an exhaustible supply. You're an exhaustible supply of love. You just are. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I'm tired of giving. Get out of here. You know, I mean. But God just continues to pour through us. And again, that's, again, why God looks for people that he can pour his Holy Spirit through to minister to people, whatever it might be. We don't want to be Hoover Dams. We want to be rivers in which the flow of God goes through us and then to others. We don't want to just get bigger, you know, storing up the blessings all for us, we want to be able to disseminate them. So he says, walking in the truth as we receive commandment of the Father. And now I plead with you, lady. Now again, 
if the early church was under heavy persecution and they were looking for the ringleaders, you would certainly think they would probably come for Jesus' family. And so he refers to her as the lady. I think that's great. It's a proper name. I plead, and this word plead in the original is the word encouragement. That's what he was trying to do. I encourage you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which you've heard from the beginning, that we would love one another. That is John's whole message in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is to love one another. Why? Because John realized that in love, there's power. We can do something together we could never do individually. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.